When the pandemic began and we closed our doors at Beth Adam in March, it didn't occur to me that we'd be observing these high holidays as we are. I hoped that after a few weeks or a few months, life was going to return to normal. And COVID was going to be a minor annoyance, not a life-altering event that was going to reshape the way we're living our lives. And while social distancing has limited our interactions with one another, we're living parallel lives, sheltering in place, wearing masks, washing our hands, seeing what each other over our computer screens. And while some are venturing out, many of us are not. We certainly aren't going to stores like we once did. And if we eat out, and that is one big if, our servers wear masks or face shields, we sit outside or tables that are spread far apart. And that sense of community that once was is no longer. Dinner with friends and parties have been transformed. Who could have imagined Zoom dinner, Zoom happy hour, Zoom birthdays, graduations, and more would become the norm? Who would have imagined eight months ago that you'd be sitting in your homes watching these high holidays over your computer monitors, and I'd be sitting in my home speaking to you from here? Most of us have spent more time online in the last few months than we have in the last several years. And even those of us who aren't too tech savvy have learned out of necessity to work our computers in an effort to remain connected and engaged. And while we're managing, COVID has taken its toll on all of us in one way or another. It's likely that you know somebody who has contracted the virus. You might know somebody who has been in a hospital or, or in hospice, not allowed to receive any visitors there, alone, scared, frightened. You may know somebody who has died as a result of the virus. And that death, like every death, transforms a family. Tens of thousands of people have died. Tens of thousands of families have been radically changed. Millions are ill and the deaths will continue. The numbers are numbing with no end in sight. Uncertainty stretches before us further than we can see past the distant horizon. Having officiated at funerals and having attended funerals over Zoom during this pandemic, I know how mourning and burying our dead has been transformed. We can't gather as we once did. We have to stand apart there's no hugging. There's no leaning upon one another in our grief. There's no wiping of another person's tears. It's behind our masks that we must mourn. It strikes me that these necessary precautions makes grieving even more painful and sad if that were possible. Being denied human contact during these challenging times robs us of our natural inclination to hold and to be held, to touch and to be touched, to know and feel the warmth of another human being, to know that we're connected, bonded to one another. In this age of COVID, the darkness of night appears all the darker, a void that seems to swallow up any light. And so too are our celebrations transformed dampening down the joy we feel even at the happiest moments, whether it's a wedding or a naming or a graduation or birthday, with no guests or, or limited guests, these milestones take on new shapes. We're no less proud, 
no less appreciative of the milestone being marked, but without being able to, to share in person with those high fives, hugs, kisses, cheers, those pictures of us with our arms around one another, something is lost, diminished. That high note isn't quite so high, and that bright moment of light is dimmed. On reflection, it seems that the pandemic has made painful events more painful, sad occasions sadder, and happy events a little less happy, because we can't share them in the same way. This pandemic challenges us at the very heart of our being, our humanity. It has taken from us the most basic and, and necessary of human interactions, closeness and touch. Whether with family, friends, or community, it's in our togetherness that we give expression to who we are and what we feel. There, there, there's a camaraderie in community and an energy that is spawned when people are together. And more than losing these opportunities to, to stand together, to be together, we know that what is keeping us apart, keeping us inside, is a specter of illness and of death. And if we do venture out, we do so tentatively, tinged with anxiety because somewhere in our thoughts, somewhere in the back of our minds, we wonder, could it be me? Could I contract the virus? Might I fall ill? Could I die? If I contract the illness, might I pass it to someone else? May, might they die? This pandemic forces us to consider community and isolation, health and illness, life and death. It, it pulls at what it means to be human. It exposes our vulnerability. It tests our resolve. It wears us down. And all of us, all of us are feeling this to one degree or another. This is a shared experience. And while we process and wrestle with it in our own unique way, informed by our personal experience, it touches all of us deeply, profoundly. For many, it even visits us when we are asleep, invading our dreams, causing restless nights. And yet, in spite of all of this, we come together tonight to observe Rosh Hashanah. We no longer view Rosh Hashanah through the lens of our ancestors who thought this the birthday of the world. We embrace a scientific understanding of how our universe unfolded and, and how our earth evolved. We appreciate and value a scholarship, a scholarly approach to Judaism that recognizes how different generations have shaped, reinterpreted, and added their own values to this holiday. And yet for all the changes, all the twists and turns, even all the contradictions, we join together tonight, not because we're required to do so, but because we choose to do so. The act of sitting down, turning on one's computer, affirms our connection to something larger than ourselves, to our people, to our history, to our congregation, to one another. It is to believe that Rosh Hashanah marks the turning of the calendar page. It marks the end of one year, but more importantly, it marks the beginning 
of another year. There will be a new year. There will be a tomorrow. A day will follow. A month will follow. A year will follow. There is a future ahead. And while there is now darkness and hardship, there is the belief that the light will shine and the pain will be diminished. Because where there is life, there is possibility. Rosh Hashanah is an affirmation of life. An affirmation that days will follow days. Not that there's any guarantee about the quality of those days, but simply an affirmation of life itself with all of its complexities, all of its texture and color, all its joy and sorrow, all that it means to be alive, even as we face the reality of illness and death that sweeps across the face of our planet. Always understanding that where there is life, there's hope, that justice will overcome inequity, that respect will vanquish prejudice, that truth will replace lies, that civility will eliminate rudeness, that empathy will overcome narcissism. There's a story told by Rachel Naomi Remin in her book, Grandfather's Blessing, of a young child sitting with her grandfather, who when he lifts his cup says, L'chaim, and the child asks, What's the meaning of l'chaim? It means to life, says the grandfather. And the child says, to a happy life? No, says the grandfather, to life. Is it a prayer, asks the child? No, says the grandfather. Is it a Jewish tradition? Is it from the Bible somewhere? No, says the grandfather. It's not written down in any text. It's simply written in people's hearts. L'chaim means that no matter what difficulties life brings, no matter how hard or painful or unfair life is, life is holy and worthy of celebration. It's remarkable, observes the author, that such a toast would be offered by generations of people for whom life has not been easy. But she suggests perhaps it can only be said by such people, for only those who have lost and suffered can truly appreciate its power. L'chaim, l'chaim is a way of life. It's less about celebrating life and more about the wisdom of choosing life. In time, our social distancing will end and we're gonna to be together once more. We're gonna to sing together again. We're gonna to laugh together again. We're gonna hug one another and we are gonna be joyful together. And that joy will be all the sweeter because of what we have known, what we have experienced, what we have lost. So this night, when we live in the grip of this pandemic, when pain and illness hangs over our nation and our world, where isolation is all too real, and anxiety and weariness and tension are all too present in our life, let us say with countless generations and members of our people have said, during good times and bad, during times of joy and sorrow, during times of hardship and plenty, let us say this night, this Rosh Hashanah, the Chaim to life.